Hello, and welcome to the Smart Injury Doctors Podcast, the injury market's top program for doctors, lawyers, and insurers who want to gain greater insight on how to improve patient recovery results and deliver better services in the U.S. injury market. Please welcome your host, Dr. Jeffrey Allen Kronk. Hey, doctors, what I want to talk about today is what should a standard spinal injury evaluation look like? Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a doctor. I've been promoting. We have a Smart Injury Doctors program that standardizes spinal injury workups. Spinal injury workups should be the simplest workups there are, and every office should do them the same. And the reason why I say that is there's only three injuries that a spine can have. The spine is just bone and connective tissue. So if you damage the spine, you either broke it, which is a fracture, damage to the bone, or you did connective tissue damage. There's two types of connective tissue, disco-ligamentous damage and non-disco-ligamentous damage. There's two types of tissue in there. you got the disc and you got the support ligaments. So if the disc is damaged, it's called a herniation. If the non-disco-ligaments are damaged, it's called excessive motion or spinal instability. That's what they cause. That's what you see. That's what you look at. The more displaced the disc is, the more damaged it is. The more displaced or the more excessive motion there is, the more the non-disc ligament injuries are. Craniocervical junction has no disc, no disc to contend with. So if I'm looking at, I'm staring at a patient, a patient just on my intake form, they just explain their symptoms, explain the actual, you know, what they actually have, as for how they got the injury in the first place or an auto accident, with, you know, specifics of the accident. They're now in my consult. Um, I've dealt with any gaps of care. I've dealt with any pre-existing conditions. We've talked about that. And I'm looking at that patient. I'm looking at that patient going, okay, well, if they injured their cervical spine, they either broke it. Do I think they broke their neck? No. Okay, then it's just soft tissue. It's just connective tissue. Now, when I say soft tissue, it's connective tissue. And what around the connective tissue might also be damaged? The muscle system. The muscle, there may be muscle damage with it as well. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to do examination. And in my examination, I'm going to pick up, do I have any midline cervical tenderness, midline thoracic tenderness, midline lumbar tenderness? Because under all x-ray guidelines, I, ha- I now have rationale for why I would shoot x-rays. And of course, I'm going to shoot those x-rays, but I'm also going to pick up inflammatory findings because inflammatory findings are indications of a new injury. So I'm going to, I'm going to palpate intersegmentally. Everyone should pick up these inter, uh, uh, you know, you're going to pick up the inflammation that's there. So the next thing I'm going to do is I know that I can't tell how badly damaged the connective tissue is without imaging. So I'm going to take great stress x-rays. Now, when I take the stress x-rays, I'm going to take stress x-rays in a way that the patient, if the patient can't tolerate stress x-rays, then I have to do some treatment because if pain and inflammation are causing them the inability to actually bend fully their neck forward or the neck backwards or their back forward or backwards, right? I, first of all, as a physician, you got to know how to take good stress x-rays or you got to have be work with a facility that knows how to take stress x-rays. I'm not going to teach you that on this podcast because that's too damn simple. Right, so you get good stress X-rays. I'm going to take an A to P open mouth, lateral bend, right and left, to see what the upper cervical ligaments are doing, and if there's damage in the upper cervical ligaments. So I'm going to do that. I am going to send out for an unbiased, independent evaluation and get an excessive motion test. I'm going to use a medical provider. I always use an outside 
source in my private practice for the last eight years that I did a lot of injury work in my private practice. I always use an independent source for this because the findings are too significant. You have non-disc ligament injury findings that are going to generate and trigger surgical guidelines. I'm a chiropractor. I want that found by the medical radiologist. I'm going to use that to understand the level of the patient's injuries and I'm going to use that to drive all my care so I can get good results. I've said before, primary focus has got to be on great results where you've got to know the injuries and the significance of the injury. I know that about 30% of my patients are going to have non-disc ligament damage that is severe enough it triggers surgical guidelines. So I know they've got severe injuries. Right? And I'm going to make sure that that is documented. Now, it's very, I understand spinal injuries. You can have severe non-disc ligament injury damage without any herniation to the disc. It's very rare to have disc herniation without damage to the non-disc ligaments that support it because it's not consistent with a new disc injury. If all I've got is a disc herniation, but I don't really have a lot of damage, I don't have any excessive motion around the disc, none of the other ligaments were damaged around it, it's a pre-existing condition. It's not considered to be a new disc herniation, and I need to know that because they're going to rehab differently. They're going to rehab differently, and my expectations of what I should see under care with the patient is going to be different because I know the damn injuries that the patient has. Right? So I'm going to work this up. I'm going to send it out. I recommend spinal kinetics, and I'm the CEO of spinal kinetics. The reason why I recommend spinal kinetics, one, it's unbiased, it's independent, and it uses FDA-cleared technology, your credibility and your professionalism is significantly enhanced. You want to find a center like that. You want to use the best MRI center, the best CT center, you got a fracture. You want to use the best excessive motion testing service you can find. Surround yourself with the best, and you will become the best. So I'm going to look at that right away. That report's going to tell me, I'm going to be able to grade the sprain. How bad is the sprain? Grade 1, grade 2, grade 3. It's going to allow me to correlate right to my treatment guidelines. So I know what I can, you know, if I'm looking at a Croft treatment guideline. Now, a lot of doctors don't realize just how much, you know, these guys work their butts off creating these guidelines to be protective. If you don't use them, they're no longer protective to you. And that's where things like insurance clawbacks and, you know, things like that can occur is because you're not using guidelines. So I know, I knew I was in a medical legal situation, so I want those guidelines. So I don't, it's not my opinion that a person could treat for 35 or 45 or 55 or 65 times with this particular condition. It's not my personal opinion. It's the guidelines that my, inter, my, my national association uses. Right, So I'm going to immediately know the grade of the sprain, know the clinical correlation for my treatment guidelines. I'm immediately going to know if I've got an impairment, what level. Do I have alteration motion segment integrity level or do I have non less than that that's causing asymmetrical range of motion, which triggers a different kind of impairment. So I know exactly how impaired my patient is and I know what the, those guidelines say about it. I know if I've got a surgical level or not. And I know what those guidelines say about that. And I know that that patient is probably going to need more care. And I need to be, you know, I, I really need to understand what I'm stabilizing with that so I can get better results with it. I automatically, that also automatically triggers uh, activity guidelines, such as athletic return to play parameters. I can't put that patient into or have that patient be in contact sports 
and have them resume that sports activity, the girl that does kickboxing. What the hell would I want to put a girl that's just had a serious spinal uh, ligament injury back into class to have them further risk injury? As a matter of fact, I think when a doctor does that, that's how, this is how strong I am on this. If a doctor does not understand spinal injuries, they should not be treating them. So if the doctor misses a spinal injury and that person goes and does an athletic activity, when athletic return to play parameter guidelines say specifically if you have this level of injury, the same that qualifies for surgery, you don't put the patient back into that activity. If that patient goes back in that activity and they have a severe injury, then it's a malpractice issue. You, if you've missed that injury and that patient has gone back into that activity, it is 1,000% a malpractice condition. And I don't have any qualms about saying it because I don't do it. And the providers that I train don't do it either. So you want to know about the non-disc ligament injury status, right? You're going to know from that same report, I know how damaged the, the, the facets are. Nobody else does. The pain management specialist doesn't. But I do because I understand it. The more excessive motion, the more damage there is to the capsular ligament. The more abnormal biomechanics there is to the facet. It's a main pain generating uh, 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 part of the, uh, of the injury. So remember, I'm correlating all this. This is just a standard workup. So a patient comes in, I do an exam, I do the stress x-rays, I send them out, I clinically correlate to this. I automatically know, hey, when I have excessive motion, it can be also an indicator of a herniation. I could also have a herniation. Now, if I have a herniation with excessive motion, I have a much worse herniation. So because I'm understanding the severity of the injury, I'm understanding what I need to do in order to stabilize it to get great results. That's a standard injury workup, right? Six weeks, I still got radicular complaint. I still have a problem where I think I have a disc herniation. I'm sending them off to the MRI. Now I'm looking at both the non-disc and the discoligamentous injury. I have 100% a full picture. I have a full picture so I can make better determinations of what I'm going to do treatment-wise, maybe what I'm, going to, what I'm going to refer out for, for the patient. And so I can completely manage this, but I also have what the future expectations could be. Because I've got it all mapped out. I, I know exactly how damaged this person is. So I am the prime doctor. I, I am who anybody that has this type of injury would want to work with. And that's what I try to create in doctors as well. So the workups are easy. Exam, x-rays, Excessive motion test, MRI, now you know the damage. You know the full scope of the damage. Without an excessive motion test, you are blind. And if all you have is a disc herniation, the disc herniation is considered to be a pre-existing condition. You don't have disc herniations without significant damage to those, those, those support ligaments around it. It makes no sense. There's no smart bomb of energy that just hits the disc. So doctors, these workups are simple. Spinal injury workups are simple. Patient goes in, does the paperwork does an exam, does a consult, does an exam, gets good high-quality stress x-rays, gets a high-quality stress x-ray evaluation, and I'm talking about FDA-cleared, use high levels of things. Um, you're not going to sit there with some, uh, some software that you bought where you're doing the test yourself as a doctor of chiropractic and have anybody in the market decide, hey, we're going to base a 
you know, $120,000, $160,000 spinal fusion surgery based off these findings, off this system. That's not FDA cleared. Uh, so, you know, what you really want to do is you want to really start to up your game in your evaluations. Now, that's been my main purpose is to help end users, patients, get better results. In order to do that, I help doctors to understand the injuries better. That's my main focus and my main purpose. So if you have questions, you want, you know, you go, wow, this is pretty simple stuff. You like what I'm saying? Check us out at www.smartinjurydoctors.com or join our free Facebook user group at Smart Injury Doctors Practice Building Success Network and you'll see more information like this. This is the kind of information, doctors, that every doctor should have because it's going to take all of your education and it's going to make it so that you can simply start to explain things. And when you can do that, it gets really powerful and that's what I would really, really like if I could have any part in helping you to simplify your understanding of these things and simplify your communication of these things, that's what, that's what makes me happy. That's what, that's what we do all of this for. So, doctors, I thank you, first of all, for taking the time. I know this was a little bit longer. On listening to this podcast, I look forward to, in the future, delivering more content. Thank you again for your attention. You've been listening to the Smart Injury Doctors Podcast, the number one audio production show for professionals in the U.S. injury market that want to deliver better injury services to the patients, clients, or insureds they serve. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review and don't forget to join us on our next program. 